Hi, everyone. This is your 1001 Stories Network host, John Hagedorn. And I want to thank each and every one of you listeners for the support you've given 1001 Stories from the Old West. Kevin Sykes will return in the fall with a bunch of great Old West history. But during the meantime, we'll be running episodes of the old radio show, Tales of the Texas Rangers, which features actual stories from the files of the Texas Rangers from about 1936 through the late 40s. This show did very well from 1950 to 52 on NBC Radio and was successful in transitioning to TV on CBS from 1955 to 1958. I especially enjoy the episodes where they go after him on horseback. That still happens today in rough country where they need to go after fugitives on horseback, keeping America's past alive. It's time for another episode of Tales of the Texas Rangers with Joel McRae. Hope you enjoy it. Rangers. Tonight, transcribed from Hollywood, another authentic reenactment of a case from the files of the Texas Rangers. Tales of the Texas Rangers, starring Joel McRae as Ranger Jace Pearson. Texas, more than 260,000 square miles and 50 men who make up the most famous and oldest law enforcement body in North America. Now, from the files of the Texas Rangers come these stories based on fact. Only names, dates, and places are fictitious for obvious reasons. The events themselves are a matter of record. Case for tonight, Bad Blood. It is 7 p.m. September 14, 1950. In an isolated house trailer in the fields on the outskirts of Cheney, Texas, Joe Prager, an aircraft worker, is packing a suitcase. There is a knock on the trailer door. Just a second. Howdy, Joe. Oh, howdy, Russ. Ain't you going to ask me in? Yeah, sure. Come on in. See you packing already. That's right. What's on your mind, Russ? Well, Joe, I figured two weeks is long enough for old friends to be mad at each other. I've come to ask you to shake hands. (laughs) You know, now that you're here, I can't figure just what we've been mad about. Ain't anybody I'd rather shake hands with than you, Russ. You're my boy. But we ain't never going to talk politics again. (laughs) That's a deal. (laughs) I didn't want you to leave feeling sore at me. Why are you going, anyhow? Why are you pulling out your job, Solid? You're needed here. Well, I didn't want anybody to know about it yet, but looks like I'm needed someplace else, too. Huh? Here, read this. Well, going back in the Army, huh? I didn't know you stayed on a reserve list. I'm on it, all right. You talked to him about this out at the plant. After all, you're married now, you got a kid, you're in essential work. Maybe you could get out of it. I thought about it, Russ, but well, I don't want to get out of it. I got kind of a funny feeling about it, a feeling I've had ever since the kid was born. Like, well, maybe if I go again now, maybe I can help so he'll never have to go when he grows up. Yeah, I can't argue against that. Not with two boys of my own, one of them pushing 17. They'll have me plenty worried about him with this Korea thing. Oh, don't let it get you down, Russ. Boy, I'll be all right. <laughs> Say, uh, I was just about to fix me some grub. How about joining me? Oh, thanks, but Ella's expecting me home. Uh, say, where's Marge and the baby, anyhow? Oh, she drove the kid up to her mother's today. I got a week more before I report, and uh, well, we sort of figured we'd go away someplace together, just the two of us, you know, till I have to leave. Yeah, well, when are you pulling out of here? Tomorrow, when Marge comes back. Ella'd like to see you and Marge before you go. She's been beefing at me ever since you and me fell out. Yeah, Marge's been bulldogging me about it, Well, too. can't you come and have supper with us tomorrow before you go? How about that? That's a deal. Swell. Ella'd be tickled. Well, guess I better be getting home with the old pay envelope. You need any help with anything? I mean, we got a few dollars for... No, no, thanks, Russ. We'll get by. Well, good luck to you, fella. We'll see you tomorrow, hmm? Sure thing, Russ. Say, if they had a draft somebody, why couldn't they take that brother-in-law of yours? <laughs> Orville? That'd be giving aid and comfort to the enemy. Yeah. <laughs> I know Orville ain't giving any aid and comfort to his department out the plant. 
we wasn't short-handed, he wouldn't last ten minutes. Well, good night, Joe. Good night, Ross. Just a second. Did you forget something? Oh, it's you, Orville. Yeah, it's me. Russ was just here. I thought it was him coming back. I know he was here. Been waiting out back long enough, waiting for him to leave. You could have come in. Russ don't bite. He doesn't like me. Reckon that's your fault, Orville. Oh, sure. Everything's my fault. How come you're sticking up for him? Thought you and him wasn't talking. We are now, and I don't think it's any of your business. What do you want, Orville? Joe, I need some help. I got my check cashed, and I guess I didn't notice it till I was almost home. I got a hole in my pocket. I lost my pay. Do I look like a half-wit to you? Well, I only want... The last time you came to me with that story, you said your pocket was picked. And the time before that, you said you got stuck with a loan you signed for somebody. That's right, Joe. Honest. Stop using the word honest, Orville. Doesn't sound right coming from you. If your money's gone, you lost it in the pay night crap game at Holland's. I haven't been near Holland's in weeks. Oh, Joe, you got to help me. My wife will buck like a maverick under a branding iron if I don't bring some money home. You and Sis got some side money. I know you have. I ain't denying that, but this is one time you ain't dipping your hand into it. Yeah, take a look at this paper. Go ahead, read it. <laughs> Drafted, huh? Going to play soldier again and leave my sister with a kid to take care of. She and the kid will be taken care of, Orvie. I'll see to that. You never had to give us anything and you never will. Joe, I need money. And I ain't leaving here without it. There's nothing here for you, Orvin. Better try someplace else. I said I wasn't leaving without that money. Well, I reckon you'll be here a long time then, Orvin. You have to excuse me. I'm going to fix my supper. I ain't going to ask you again, Joe. Glad to hear. Just going to keep ignoring me, huh? Like I wasn't even here. That's right. Maybe I can make you pay a little attention with this. Pan, pan. Put that down. No. I'm going to help you dish out your supper like this. of Joe Prager was discovered when his wife returned to their trailer home early the following day. Sheriff Vern Lamont immediately called for the help of a Texas ranger. Ranger Jace Pearson was assigned. He joined the sheriff at the scene of the crime shortly after noon. I've kept the whole field blocked off, Jace. Nobody's been near the place except Prager's wife and me and the deputies. Good. Where's the wife? Sitting over there in her car. Tried to get her to go into town to the hotel, but she won't. She's in... In kind of a daze. Shock. That's natural. You want to talk to her? Yeah, it wouldn't help when she's like that. Maybe by the time we've had a look around, she'll break down and cry it out, and then we may be able to get something. Let's have a look inside the trailer. Right. There's the body. And there's a murder weapon. Wrought iron frying pan. We'll be able to pull any prints off that. Metal's too coarse. That's why I just let it lay there. Medical examiner estimate the time of death... He figured it was between 6 and 8 o'clock last night. Hmm. Suitcase on the bed, half-packed. Prager trying to run away from something? No, I don't think so. Letter on the table here explains it. It was in the Army Reserve. Called back to duty. I see. Where was he working here? Out to the aircraft plant, other side of town. Spot welder. How come his wife didn't report this until this morning? Well, she was away for the night. They got a baby? Baby oil and nipple jar on the dresser there. Yeah, that's why the wife was away. She took the kid to her mother's up in Abilene. Come back this morning. You check on that? First thing. Got a list of eating places. She stopped at both ways, and she gassed up at a mobile station in Abilene last night after she got there. Uh, spots her away from here, all right. Let's check around outside. All right. Will it be okay for the medical examiner to move the body now? Yeah, I think so. How come they parked their trailer out here instead of using one of the parks near town? Save money, I guess. Rents are high with the plant working full blast. Mm, gasoline lamp in the trailer for light, but what'd they do for water? Well, there's a well out back. Used to be a house here some time ago, but it was moved. They had everything they needed to get by. I see. Want to walk out to the road where our cars are? I can send one of the boys into the funeral home to arrange a pickup. All right. Wait a minute, Sheriff. Hmm? Watch your feet. What's the matter? These car tracks up the road to the trailer. Prager's own car, I reckon. 
Same tracks all over the road from coming and going. Uh, different tire pattern and a couple of the soft spots, though. Look here. Yeah. Overlaps most of the older tracks, but Prager's car tracks go over the strange tread once. Right here. Yeah, I see what you mean. Another car must have driven in here after Ms. Prager left yesterday. And that spot is where she drove over the tracks when she came back this morning. It's the way I measure it. If we can pull a cast off that tread, may help us run down the car. Hey... One of your deputies coming up the road now. That isn't one of my boys. Why'd they let him in? I don't know. Hey, you! Yeah? How'd you get in here? I come to help my sister. Who is your sister? Marge, Prager's wife. He was my brother-in-law. That's why the deputies let me through. All right. Your sister's sitting in the car back there. Reckon she does need somebody with her at that. Thanks. Uh, Wait a minute. Yeah, Ranger? Walk along the edge of the road. Stay out of the tire tracks. Why? Because we're asking you to. Isn't that good enough? Well, I only ask you for a reason, that's all. What's your name? Orville James. You work with your brother-in-law? Well, yeah, sure. Out at the plant. Not in the same department, though. How'd you know your brother-in-law had been killed? I didn't know. Until I saw your deputies down by the road, and they told me. Isn't the aircraft plant working today? Yeah, sure it is. It's on the other side of town. What brought you out here now? I... Got a lift out during lunch to see my sister. That'd just about take your whole lunch hour. And more if you didn't catch a ride back right away. You make a habit of hitchhiking out here on your lunch hour? No, of course I don't. And why'd you do it today? What are you asking me all this for? You trying to pin something on me? Reckon that's going to depend on how you answer. Come on, talk up. Well, I... I just... Well, I wanted to ask her about my mother. I knew that she'd been up home, see, and I wanted to find out how my mother was. I see. Your mother been sick? Yeah. No, no, she, she's been all right, I reckon. And why the rush to get out here this afternoon? Why not tonight, after work? Because I wanted to come, that's all. Anything else you want to know? Yes, when did you see your brother-in-law last? I don't know, three, maybe four days ago. Not yesterday? No. Not even at work? It's a big plant, Ranger. Joe and me didn't even work in the same building. What time did you quit yesterday? Five o'clock. Then you weren't working between, say, six and eight o'clock last night. No. Then where were you at that time? And who was with you? Well, I I cashed my check at Holland's and and then And then what? Did you come out here? Yeah. What? I said yes, yes, I come out here. I'd have told you before if you hadn't started to question me so funny. Why'd you say you hadn't seen Prager in three or four days if you saw him last night? I didn't see him last night. Listen, you just told us. You I came told out you I'd come out here, but I didn't see Joe. I changed my mind about going in because there was a car parked here. Joe had company. Well, that fits in, Jace. Those car tracks. Yeah, but it still doesn't tell us why Orville didn't go in. I'll tell you why, if you let me. I recognize the car. It belongs to Russ Newcomb. And I didn't want to go in while he was there because I didn't want to get mixed up in any argument. Who's Russ Newcomb? And why should there be an argument? Russ works out at the plant, too. Him and Joe had been friends, but they fell out a couple of weeks ago, hadn't been talking. Then why would Newcomb be visiting here? Why don't you ask Newcomb that? It took a long time for you to suggest that, Orville, considering that Prager's dead and you knew that there'd been bad blood between him and the man you say was here last night. I don't like to throw suspicion on a man for murder, Ranger. But you might have quit suspecting me. A man ain't likely to kill his brother-in-law. Newcomb had the reason, not me. Now, you're going to let me go to my sister, ain't you? Jace? All right, Orville, go ahead. Yeah, looks like this thing is cracking easy, Jason. Sure does. You better get out to the aircraft plant. Yeah. We got enough to pick up Newcomb, all right? We got more than that. If that tire track on the road matches Newcomb's car, we got enough on Newcomb to send him to Huntsville. You are listening to Tales of the Texas Rangers, starring Joel McRae as Ranger Jace Pearson. We continue now with tonight's case, Bad Blood, an authentic story from the files of the Texas Rangers. We drove out to the aircraft plant. News of Prager's death hadn't reached the place yet. We were directed to Russ Newcomb's section leader, and he pointed Newcomb out to us. He was on a welding job. Hey! Hey, you up there! Newcomb! Yeah, 
Knock off a minute and come down from that wing, will you? Be right there. What can I do for you? Go into the office where we can talk. Sure, I'd be glad to. Yeah, Sheriff, what's up? You find the woman who owned that purse? Purse? What purse? What are you talking about? The purse I turned into your office about two months ago. Money in it, don't you remember? Oh, that was on a Sunday. Guess I look different in a work outfit. Oh, oh, yeah. What's this about, Sheriff? I thought he looked familiar. Turned in a woman's purse he found in the streets a couple of months back. No identification in it, and the owners never claimed it. Oh? The way you're talking, Sheriff, I reckon it isn't a purse you want to see me about. No, it isn't. You know Joe Prager? No, him. Why, Joe's one of my best friends. When did you see him last? Only last night, out to his place. Why, what's the matter? Joe in some kind of trouble? You say he was a good friend. Other people say you weren't on speaking terms for the last couple of weeks. We weren't until last night. We, well, we got in a dumb political argument one day during lunch here. Both got hotter than we should have. But you patched it up last night. Yeah, when word got around that Joe was quitting, going away, well, I went out and... Buried the hatchet. You sure you mean a hatchet, not a frying pan? Look, you fellas asking me something, but you ain't telling me nothing. You talked politics again with Prager last night? No, no, we just shook hands, and I asked him to bring his wife over for supper tonight, and then I left, that's all. Prager's still alive when you left? Well, what do you mean he was... Still alive? You telling me Joe Prager's dead? He was beaten to death last night with an iron frying pan... Beaten to death. Joe? You see anybody else at the trailer? No, no, no. We were alone, just the two of us. Newcomb, the law requires me to warn you that anything you say from here on can be used against you. Used against me for what? You're talking like I'm under arrest. You are under arrest for the murder of Joe Prager. We took Newcomb back to Cheney and locked him up. Meanwhile, Prager's body had been brought into the funeral home. I went over to see Mrs. Prager to see if she could give further verification of a quarrel between her husband and the man under arrest. Yeah. Joe told me that had some kind of an argument. But I didn't think it'd ever be as bad as this. I didn't think Russ would kill him. Why don't you leave her alone, Ranger? I'd already (laughs) told you there was bad blood. Now maybe you'll believe me. Other witnesses aren't going to hurt anything, Orville. I'm all right, Orville. He's got to find out. Everything he wants to know. What else do they need to know? If you ask me, they got enough of a case right now. If we ask you. But so far, nobody has. And until somebody does, how about keeping quiet? All right. You're the law. Go ahead and make them miserable. I'm going over to Holland, sis. I'll be there if you want me. I'm sorry to keep after you like this, Mrs. Prager. Did your husband ever have any trouble with anybody besides Newcomb? No. Was he in fear of anybody, worried about anything? No. He was worried at first when the army letter came. But when we decided it was right for him to go, he didn't worry anymore. Just figured out things so me and the baby could get along. We we even had a little money saved. We were going away together for a week. Just Joe and me. To the place we went on our honeymoon. We were going to have so much fun. Now I'll have to use that money to bury him. I'm sorry, ma'am. Why did Russ do a thing like this to Joe? Why? Why? (laughs) I don't know, ma'am. I've never been able to figure out why men do a lot of things they do to each other. I went back to the sheriff's office. It looked like the case against Newcomb was just about closed, but it opened again. Opened wide when the sheriff showed me the personal effects that had been removed from Prager's body. Look at this, Jase. Bank book, isn't it? Yep. Prager's. It was in his shirt pocket. Take a look at that last line. Drew out every dime he had yesterday afternoon. Mrs. Prager told me they had some savings. They were going to use it to go away. Reckon that's why he drew it out. Yesterday was payday at the plant, too, Jase, so Prager should have had this amount he withdrew... $312 $312 plus his pay. Wasn't there any money on him? Less than a dollar in change. I had my deputies go out and comb that trailer. Cupboards, dishes. They didn't find a dime. Newcomb turned any money over to the jailer when you booked him? About $5, that's all. But he had time to hide that money. All we got to do is find out where he hid it. If he did hide it. What do you mean? 
That person who found a couple of months ago, the one he turned into you, he mentioned that there was some money in it. That's right. A little over $100. What are you thinking? I'm thinking about motives. We've been figuring Newcomb killed Prager because he was nursing a grudge. Robbery angle changes that picture. Yeah. Yeah, it sure does. Fellow who finds money and turns it in when he could keep it isn't likely to kill somebody and steal from him. Unless, of course, he was trying to cover up. He said he'd invited the Pregers to supper tonight, and they were going to come. That's right. You check on Orville's movements last night, see if he was telling the truth? Had my deputy do it. Only place to check was Holland's, and he was there all right after work. Cashed his check there, like you said, then got in a crap game with some of the boys in the washroom. He couldn't have played very long, or he wouldn't have gotten to Prager's by 7 o'clock when Newcomb was there. I don't get what you're driving at. Orville must have lost in that crap game. Game like that between fellows who work together, the winners usually stick to the end. Yeah, they get sore at a winner who quit until they've had a chance to get even. Your deputies find any sign of bloody clothing when they check Newcomb's place? Nope, but they're checking the cleaning shops now. You know where Newcomb lives? Sure. You want to go over there? Just into the neighborhood. I want to talk to Newcomb's butcher. Come on. Newcomb's butcher? What can he tell you? What Mrs. Newcomb ordered for tonight's dinner? I saw the butcher, and his answer to my question pulled Newcomb back a step away from the electric chair. I got in my car and started to drive toward the field in Prager's trailer. You look like you learned something, Jace. I did. Mrs. Newcomb ordered stew meat yesterday for tonight's supper. She called up this morning and changed the order to lamb chops. Twelve lamb chops. That mean anything to you? And changing from stew meat to lamb chops sounds like she was expecting company. When she orders lamb chops for her own family, she usually gets eight. I see. The other four chops could have been for Prager and his wife then. I think so. And Prager was dead when she ordered them. Well, Newcomb could have told her to order them for a cover-up. Could have. But it's a little too smart. He didn't strike me as being that clever. Yeah, I'm going to go along with that. I think you're right. Well, what do you expect to find at the trailer? I don't know. But I want to look around a lot more than we did before. I shouldn't have waited this long. Didn't seem to be any reason for it with the case we had against Newcomb. Well, there's a reason now. We need a new case. And I got a hunch which way it's going to point. I don't know, Jace. We've fine-combed that trailer, and there's nothing we didn't see before. And the only strange car track you found on the road was Newcomb. Hey, wait a minute, Sheriff. Somebody was sitting down here by the well. Leaned back against it and had his feet stretched out. You can see where the edges of his heels were resting on the ground. Yeah. Circle out around the back here. Let's do a little trail cutting. You figure the killer took off away from the road? If he was on foot, it'd be his best bet. If he went to the highway and walked, somebody might have seen him. If he had blood on his clothes, he'd steer clear of town until it was late and everybody was sleeping. Well, all right, Jason. Which way do you want me to go? Circle out that way. I'll work from this side. Okay. Hey, Jace. Yeah, Sheriff? Orville was on foot. I know he was. That's why we're looking. We found the trail just as it was getting dark. It led into open country. I got my horse charcoal from the trailer behind my car while the sheriff went to a nearby farm to borrow a mount. It was dark when he caught up to me. You still on the trail, or are you cutting to pick it up? I lost it a couple of times further back, but I'm on it now. You know this country back here? Oh, I've ridden it before. We'll be coming to the Horner River soon, about a half mile farther. The river angles toward town, doesn't it? Sure does. Cuts under that bridge just outside Cheney. That may be the way the killer followed to get back to town. Let's ride for the river bank and see if we can pick up tracks there. May save us time. Good idea. Dig, boy. Ha, come on. Oh, Charky. found tracks on the bank, all right. Just a few that led to the edge of the water, and that was all. We cut back and forth on both banks for hours before we picked up a sign. He'd come out of the river on rock, and we barely spotted the place where he'd marked the ground again. That's it, all right, Jace. Same heel impression. He had us fooled for a while, all right. Now let's go. Come on, Charky. Yeah, come on, boy. What's that up there ahead? Looks like a shack of some kind. I don't know, Jace. Quite a few shacks in here along the river. A lot of deer around. Some folks keep places for fishing and hunting. Well, his tracks lead right to it. Yeah. 
Get on, boy. Come on, Charky. Yeah, he stopped here, all right. Flash your light on that door. Yeah. Yeah. Lock's been sprung. It's open. Yeah, he was here, all right. Left his marks in the dust on the floor. I guess nobody's been using the place for quite a spell. Yeah. There's something else, too. Footlocker here. Lock on it's busted, too. <laughs> Shirts and jeans in there. I'd like to bet there's one set missing. Orville or whoever it was stopped here to change clothes. He must have known the setup. There's a funny smell in here, Sheriff. Like the place been smoked up not long ago. There's something burning. Pot-bellied stove there. Yeah. Anything in it? Plenty. Clothes that didn't quite burn. Smells from kerosene he poured on him. But he came through the river so his pants were wet. Fire must have smoldered out after he left. Better pull those things out and see if we can save enough of them for identification. It's enough, all right. Look at this. Blood stain didn't even wash off when he came through the water. We prove who owns these things, and we've got our man. We'll be able to prove it. Look, shirt was bundled up with the wet pants, just enough to save most of the collar and this. Mm-hmm. Laundry mark. Let's get back to town. It was daybreak when we got back to Cheney. We got what we were after on our third laundry stop. A half-burned shirt belonged to Orville James. We went to his home. His wife was at the funeral parlor with Mrs. Prager, so he was there alone. What you want from me now? Sheriff's got a few things rolled up in that poncho. I thought maybe you might be able to identify them. Who? Who they belong to? Joe or Newcomb? We want you to tell us. All right, Sheriff, unroll them. Recognize these? What's the matter, Orville? You look kind of sick. I'm just upset about Joe, that's all. I was at the funeral home with my sister almost all night. Well... You ever seen these things before? Yeah. Yeah, I've seen them. Whose are they? I could be wrong, I guess, but they look like Newcombs. That's funny. Well, what's funny about it? Looks like they were burned quite a bit. Yeah, but they were too wet to burn all the way. Guess that gives you a real tight case against Newcomb now, doesn't it? It does, doesn't it? A perfect case, except for the laundry mark on the shirt. Laundry mark. That's right, Orville. Your laundry mark. But there can't be a laundry mark. There can't be a laundry. Keep your hands off those things. You heard him, Orville. Let me go. Let me go. I oh my arm. You better hold still. Come on. Let's go. My wife. My wife always hounding me for money. Always screaming about how hard she worked. Always yelling about how she was running her hand scrubbing greasy work shirts. But she wasn't. She was sending them out. <laughs> Laundry box. The lazy pig. I'll kill her. I'll kill her. You're not going to kill anybody, Orville. Your killing days are over. Open the door, will you, Sheriff? Sure. All right, Orville. In the car. Let's go. Orville James broke down at his trial and confessed the robbery slaying of his brother-in-law. He was found guilty in less than 20 minutes and sentenced to Huntsville for the rest of his natural life. Next week, Joel McRae in another authentic reenactment of a case from the files of the Texas Rangers. Joel McRae is currently seen starring in the Universal International Technicolor production, Frenchie. Tonight's cast included Tony Barrett, Paul Fries, Whitfield Connor, Sam Edwards, Harley Bear, and Barbara Luddy. This story was transcribed and adapted by Joel Murcutt, and the program was produced and directed by Stacy Keats. This is Hal Gibney speaking. Three charms mean good times on NBC. 
Tomorrow, the voice of Firestone presents Metropolitan Opera Basso, Cesare Siepi, in a melodic variety of operatic selections. Your Monday evening of music also includes the telephone hour. And tomorrow's guest artist is the renowned coloratura soprano, Lily Pons. Among Miss Pons' selections tomorrow is the beautiful aria from Rigoletto, Caranome. Bill Baker asks the $64 question next on NBC. The National Broadcasting Company presents Joel McRae in Tales of the Texas Rangers. Tonight, transcribed from Hollywood, another authentic reenactment of a case from the files of the Texas Rangers. Tales of the Texas Rangers, starring Joel McRae as Ranger Jace Pearson. Texas, more than 260,000 square miles. And 50 men who make up the most famous and oldest law enforcement body in North America. Now, from the files of the Texas Rangers come these stories based on fact. Only names, dates, and places are fictitious for obvious reasons. The events themselves are a matter of record. Case for tonight, Conspiracy. It is 2 p.m. the afternoon of October 17, 1926. Captain Clint Stinson of Texas Ranger Company B is seated in his office. Across the desk from him sits a woman sobbing bitterly. <laughs> they killed him, I tell you. They shot him down in cold blood the way they shoot a dog. <laughs> now, get a grip on yourself, Mrs. Wendell. Oh, help me. Please help me. Ed was a good man. Our baby's only seven months old. Now Ed is dead, and the man who killed him is walking the streets of Crescenta as though nothing happened. Crescenta? Yes, in Ames County. That's where I came from. I see. Some pretty funny things have been happening in Ames County. Who was the man who killed your husband? A man named Ray Thorpe. It happened four days ago. But he wasn't even arrested. The grand jury said that according to the evidence, he killed Ed in self-defense. Any witnesses testified to that? Yes, three of them. But they were lying. They were lying. My Ed never carried a gun in his life. Are you sure of that? A wife doesn't always know. I knew. Why can't you help me? What kind of a world am I living in? What kind of a world am I bringing my baby up in when his father could be killed without anybody even lifting a hand? <laughs> now, now, just take it easy, Mrs. Wendell, please. Yes, Captain? Get me a sheriff porch at Crescenta in Ames County. Yes. What are you calling him for? I want to help you, Mrs. Wendell. If there's anything that calls for help. You won't get the truth from Sheriff Porch. You said yourself that funny things are happening in Ames County. Funny things are liable to happen in any county where there's a big oil strike. <laughs> Drifters and floaters crowd in. You can't always condemn a sheriff for what happens. <laughs> you mean it's just too bad if a man gets murdered? I didn't say that, ma'am. Yes? Sheriff Porch, Captain. Go ahead. Hello. Hello, Captain Stinson. How are you? Fine, Sheriff. I'd like a little information. Sure thing. What about? man named Ed Wendell, shot and killed in Crescenta by a man called Ray Thorpe. Well, ain't much I can tell you, Captain. Thorpe killed Wendell in self-defense. Wendell's always been, well, sort of a hothead, troublemaker. Started a fight with Thorpe and pulled a gun on him. Thorpe had to kill him to save his own hide. I understand there were witnesses. There sure were three of them. And one of the three was my deputy. Open and shut case. I see. Well, thanks, Sheriff. Just checking. Uh, what brought the case to your mind? Uh, you have, uh, some sort of a complaint? Wendell's wife thinks he was murdered in cold blood. Well, Captain, you know women. Can't believe anything wrong about the men, folks. That happens. Thanks, Sheriff. Anytime. Goodbye. Goodbye. You don't have to say anything. I know what he told you. Mrs. Wendell, I'm sorry, but there's nothing much I can do. He left the house smiling, waving to the baby. And he never came back. 
They wouldn't even let me see him again after he was killed. What's that? <laughs> Mrs. Wendell, are you telling me that you never saw your husband's body after he was dead? No, they wouldn't let me. They said it was a law because of the way he got killed. There's no law like that. Are you sure you're telling me the truth? Well, why would I lie to you? You never saw the body. No, I tell you, they buried him in the county cemetery the day after he was killed. Do you know if an autopsy was performed? I don't know. I see. Mrs. Wendell, if I can get an order to have your husband's body exhumed, will you give your permission? Yes, but... Oh, they won't let you do it. They're not going to know it's being done. Yes, Captain? Put out a call for Jace Pearson. Tell him to report to me immediately. And bring Steve Clark in, too. Then get me headquarters at Austin. By late afternoon, Captain Stinson had a magistrate's authorization to exhume the body of Ed Wendell. Later the same night, Texas Rangers Jace Pearson and Steve Clark, accompanied by a medical examiner and Mrs. Wendell, were at the Ames County Cemetery, three miles from the county seat at Crescenta. Box lid is almost clear, Jace. All right, Steve, hold it. See if we can get the top off now. Want to flash that light down here, Doc? Oh, yeah, sure, Jace. Mrs. Wendell. Yes? Maybe you better go wait in the car, ma'am. No, I'm all right. She'll have to identify the body anyhow, Jace. I guess you're right. All right, Steve, let's get the cover off. Right. Yeah, that's got it. Just lift it up over the edge of the hole. Yeah. Uh, the body's completely covered with a sheet. Yeah. We'll lift it out to you. I got this in. All right, lift. Yeah. Uh, uh, I can get a hold now. Yeah, I'll help you. Uh, all right, that does it. Boost me, Jason, and I'll pull you up. Right. All right, now grab my wrist. Got it. Hey, we'll have to replace the cover and shovel the grave in again. We can do that as soon as Mrs. Wendell identifies the body. I hate to ask you like this, ma'am. It's all right. I know he's dead. What can it matter? Uh, Jason, you got a pocket knife? Have to slit this sheet. Yeah, here, Doc. Yeah. Well, Mrs. Wendell? Yes. <laughs> Don't look anymore, ma'am. Better take it to the car, Steve. Come on, ma'am. There's nothing more you can do. Just a sheet on him. Didn't even bury him with his clothes. Yeah, it wasn't even embalmed. There's something strange here, Jace. Here. Let me roll the body over. Pull that sheet down further. Sure. No marks in the head and the chest. Uh, here. Here's what we're looking for. Yeah. This man was shot, all right. Shot in the back. The medical examiner took the body into the funeral parlor, and Steve Clark took Mrs. Wendell home. It was after 2 a.m., but what I had to do couldn't wait. I located the home of the county attorney, Lou Morrison, a ranch about ten miles out of Crescenta. I got him out of bed. Oh, what's on your mind this time of night, Ranger? Official business. It seems to me you could have waited and come to the courthouse in town in the morning. A few men I'm after might be disappearing from town by morning. I had to wake you up. I need some warrants. Warrants? Is somebody in Crescenta? Yeah. The first one for a man named Ray Thorpe. On what charges? The murder of Ed Wendell. Thorpe killed Wendell in self-defense. He's already been exonerated by the grand jury. Look, Mr. Morrison, I've just come from the cemetery. We exhumed Wendell's body. The body can't be exhumed without an order? We had an order from a magistrate at the other end of the county. And Wendell's body proves Thorpe couldn't have killed him in self-defense because Wendell was shot in the back. That's impossible. Did you see the body before he was buried? No. No, I didn't. But, but there were witnesses. The witnesses lied. Mr. Morrison, I want a murder warrant for Ray Thorpe. All right, Ranger. You seem to have some evidence. I can go into my office and write them up. We can get Judge Padgett to sign them. Thanks. I'll have to dress. You, uh, said that you... You wanted several warrants. That's right. Three more beside Thorpe's. For who? For the witnesses who claimed that Thorpe shot in self-defense. On what charge? 
That's a funny question from a county attorney. A charge of perjury before the grand jury. I got the warrants, but Morrison's attitude told me they weren't going to be easy to serve. I'd arranged to meet Steve Clark at an all-night cafe in Crescenta. He was waiting there. Get the warrants? Yeah. Jase, there's something funny about this town. It smells to high heaven. And say that again. There's more to this than just a murder. The county attorney didn't want to cooperate. And one of Thorpe's witnesses is a deputy sheriff. Yeah, it looks like the law is trying to cover Wendell's death. And I think I found out why. Yeah. Mrs. Wendell spilled it when I was taking her home. Said that her husband was planning on having some kind of a meeting at his house on the night of the day that he was killed. She say what kind of a meeting? Yeah, it's about the county elections coming up next month. What about him? Uh, Sheriff Porch and County Attorney Morrison are both running for re-election, but nobody's running against them. Both unopposed candidates? Yeah, that's why Wendell called a meeting. He didn't like it. He was fixing to stir the town up for a writing vote. How come Mrs. Wendell didn't mention that before? I guess it didn't seem to have any connection with her husband getting killed by Thorpe. You finished with your coffee? Yeah. Well, let's get those warrants served. This town's going to get awful hot. Sharp works on a ranch out beyond the oil fields. I'll go out there and pick him up while you... Hit the ground, Steve! Where'd it come from? Caught a flash from the corner across the street. There's something moving in the shadows there. Let him have it! He's he's mounted, Jason! He cut through the alley. The field's behind town. Can't get a shot at him now. Come on, let's get our horses out of the trailer. Right. Keep back, everybody. Keep Keep back. back. Come on, on, Sharky. Come on. Come on, Longhorn. Come on, gotta go far. His horse is breaking stride. Looks like he's gone lame. Yeah, must have picked up a stone. He'll have to leave him soon. He's out of sight now. Be careful after we cross the rim. He may run on foot and keep going, or he may drop into cover and try and pick us off. Anyway, he wants to play. It's all right with me. Hey, here's the top of the rise. Hunch low in your saddle. There's his horse, Chase. No rider. Yeah, he's dismounted. Pull up fast and drop. Whoa, whoa, Chase. Whoa, Longhorn. He's in that clump of mesquite. Yeah, I know it. Keep flat. The moon touches the top of that brush beside you. Reach over and nudge it. Draw fire. Right. You get him? I don't know. The skeet seems bent over like there's some weight on part of it. Crawl toward it. Keep your gun ready. Better stay a few feet apart. No sign of movement. We'll know in a minute. I can see a boot sticking out of the mesquite. Must be laying out flat. He's hit all right. We can get up. No more trouble with him, Jason. Right between the eyes. Some shot for hitting a man you couldn't see. I knew he was firing a rifle. He had to be drawn a sight, so I just fired a little above and to the right of the flash. Wonder who he is. We'll find that out later. Better get his horse. We'll have to lead him back. Yeah. Easy, boy. Easy now. Come on, we'll fix where it hurts. Turn him a little, Steve. Let the moon hit this side of his saddle. Yeah, around, boy. What do you see? A couple of letters burned into the leather. Yeah, look like initials. Hey, R.T. Yeah, R.T. I guess we can tear up that warrant for Ray Thorpe. Listening to Tales of the Texas Rangers, starring Joel McRae as Ranger Jace Pearson. We continue now with tonight's case, Conspiracy, an authentic story from the files of the Texas Rangers. It was sunup when we got back to the main street of Crescenta. The town was waking up for the day, and shopkeepers and morning crews headed for work in the oil fields followed us to the funeral home. I was unstrapping Thorpe's body from my saddle when Sheriff Porch came through the crowd. Let me through here. Let me through. Well, howdy, Rangers. Howdy. Hello, Sheriff. Uh, see, you got Thorpe all right. About time somebody got him. Yeah, I know. County attorney told me what you found out. Could have knocked me over with a feather. I'll bet. All right, Steve. Grab his feet and let's carry him in. Right. I'll get the door for you. Put him down there. 
Tried to fight it out, eh? Tried to ambush us, you mean. And somebody better explain how he knew we were after him. Reckon you can blame me for that, Ranger. What do you mean by that? County attorney called me right after Judge Padgett signed your warrants for you. I knew where Thorpe was hanging out when the hot spots outside the town. Thought I'd go out and pick him up for you. When I told him you was after him, he sort of caught me off balance in Bolden. Kind of convenient, Sheriff. Especially since you let him out once before. After he'd shot a man in the back. I didn't know that. I never looked at Wendell's body. I, well, I was homesick. My deputy handled the case. Same deputy that said Thorpe shot in self-defense? Yeah, same one, Joe Slade. I got a warrant for him, too. I know. That's why I got him locked up in the jail right now. You're getting mighty cooperative, Sheriff. Well, Slade was right with me when I heard you wanted him. I know my job. I'm trying to help you. How about the other two witnesses Thorpe had? Rollo Kane and Arthur Sampson. I still got warrants for them. You'll find them out in the oil field, I reckon. They got two operating wells and they're drilling a third. Just past the old stockade, north of town. You'll need horses. The road's too muddy for a car. I'll ride out with you. Thanks, but we can handle it. You need a rest. You've been working too hard. They're not drilling, Jace. They're just pulling the drill stem out of the hole. Yeah, probably jumped a pin on the bit. Funny thing, Kane and Samson being mixed up in this Wendell killing... You think a couple of oil men with producer wells would be on the side of the law? Something behind this we haven't hit yet, Steve. Man by the tool shed's watching us. Oh, yeah. Doesn't seem to be doing much work. Maybe he's one of our boys. Won't take long to find out. Be able to ask him in a second. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Oh, boy. Oh, oh, oh. Howdy, Rangers. Howdy. Hello. Like to talk to you for a minute. Mind telling your crew to knock off? Sure thing. Hold it, boys. Cut fire. Ah, what's on your mind? What's your name? Kane. Rollo Kane. Arthur Sampson around? That's him. Up on top of the dirt, greasing the crown chair. What's the matter down there, Rollo? Tell him to come on down. All right. Rangers want you to come down. Uh, uh, send a hook up for me. Uh, just a second. Look, what's this all about? I got warrants for you and your partner. Oh? What for? Perjury before the county grand jury. <laughs> <laughs> you must have the wrong names, Ranger. I never testified for a grand jury. Who are you trying to kid, mister? Records will show whether you did or not, so if you didn't, you got nothing to worry about. Now get your partner down here. All right. All right, boys, send a hook up. Look, you uh, mind if I get my coat? It's right there in the two shed. Go ahead. I can watch you. All right, thanks. Look out, Jake! Oh. Cut that power! Hey, drive clamps fell from the top of the derrick. Yeah, hit right where we were standing. Thanks for the push. Yeah. Hey, you you heard, Rangers? That come close to being nasty accident. It came close to being nasty, but I don't think it was close to being an accident. What do you mean? You know what I mean, Kane. Pretty convenient time for you to step into that tool shed. Well, I'm just lucky, Rangers. Starting right now, your luck's running out. All right, Samson. You can climb down. Sorry that happened, Ranger. I just knocked it off reaching for that hook. If anything else falls from that, Derek, you're going to come with it. Oh, come on now. Climb down. All right, climb down. No. Man can't be too careful if he wants to live, Ranger. These oil fields can be dangerous. There's something else can be dangerous too, Kane. Something you're going to find out about. Yeah? What's that? Breaking the law in the state of Texas. We herded Kane and Samson back to Crescenta and marched them into the jail. All right, boys, step in. Go ahead, I'll see you right to the cell. Uh, you know the law, Ranger. Gotta check your guns here in the office if you come inside the cell block gate. Unbuckle them and hang them in the cabinet. All right. I want to talk to your deputy, Joe Slade, anyhow. Steve, you better take care of the horses. Right, well, to meet you. Well, we can eat at the cafe in about an hour. Okay, Jace, I'll see you later. All right, Sheriff. Go on, Kane, move. You too, Samson. All right. You know, you're not going to keep us here long, Ranger. We'll see. Your charge won't stand up. Into the tank with Slade. Was wondering when I was going to get company, Sheriff. I knew you wouldn't let your star deputy die lonesome. Shut up, Joe. Get out of the gateway and let these men in, Slade. Sure, Ranger, sure. Come in, fella. 
I want to talk to you, Slade. Why, sure. You're Jace Pearson, ain't you? You got a reputation for being pretty good at the gun. I'm still alive. Why did you lie to the grand jury? Me? You got the wrong boy, Ranger. Oh, it's my office phone. You gonna give me the same story I got from your two pals? That's right, Ranger. Same stuff. Sure. Slade never appeared before the grand jury either. It's all your imagination, Ranger. If the three of you have one brain to go around, you'll tell the truth. You're not in here without evidence. The grand jury records are being subpoenaed. Listen to the man, fellas. He knows all about the law. You're in for a few surprises, Ranger. A few big surprises. Seeing the three of you sent to Huntsville isn't going to be a surprise to me. A Ranger. Yes, Sheriff. What? I see you got a gun, Sheriff. You're not supposed to bring a gun past the cell block gate either. It won't do no harm. You don't make me use it. You see, Ranger? Surprises, like I said. Back away from that cell gate, Ranger. All right. Now you get in there with him. What's the idea? You're under arrest by order of the county attorney. For what? For the murder of Ray Thorpe. The sheriff was showing his colors openly now. He was part and parcel of all that was crooked in Ames County. I was dumped into a cell with three men who would gladly kill me if I gave them the chance. Don't stay off in the corner by yourself, Ranger. That's far enough, Slade. I'm keeping this side of the cell for myself. Don't come past the middle, any of you. Who's going to stop us? Sheriff is gone for the day. Yeah, since I'm in here, thanks to you, there ain't nobody on guard. I didn't come to this town alone, you know. If you're counting on help from that other Ranger, don't get too happy about it. Probably somebody breathing down his neck right now, just like we're breathing down yours. Be too bad if you got to brooding about the way you killed Thorpe. Sheriff forgot to take your belt away, you might hang yourself. You got real broken up. Sure. I might even stab myself with this. Hey, he's got a knife. Lousy pocket knife. You think you're going to scare three of us with that? No, not three of you. But I'm figuring it's good enough to scare one of you. The one who comes at me first. You better get together and figure out which one of you it's going to be. Because he's the one who's going to get killed before I do. I didn't dare sleep. I had to watch every move they made. There was no sign of Steve Clark. In the morning, the sheriff came in. He took Kane, Samson, and Slade out for the arraignment before the judge. When he came back, he didn't bring him back with him. Here's some food for you. Stop playing, Sheriff. You know I'm not going to eat anything you give me. Suit yourself. You may be here a long time. Longer than most of your prisoners stay. What happened to him? If it's any of your business, Judge Padgett released him. No evidence. You call grand jury records no evidence? Seems like the grand jury records have been misplaced. I suppose the county attorney took care of that. This town's going to come down around your ears, Sheriff. You can't... What's that? Maybe what I've been expecting. What happened to Steve Clark? Well, how, how should I know? You mean you don't know whether your men got him or not? Well, you couldn't have gotten away. Watch your hurry, Sheriff. All right, now, keep your hands away from that gun cabinet, Sheriff. Captain Stinson. Jake! I'm all right, Steve. Have you out in a minute, Jace. Take the keys, Steve. You can't let him out. He's my prisoner. We've got a rick for him. And to keep the record straight, Sheriff, you're my prisoner. I don't see you. Howdy, boy. Glad to see you, Steve. I was afraid you caught one in the back. Uh, no, not quite. They tried to take me after I left here, but I got away on Longhorn and outrun them. Had to ride cross-country most of the night to get to a phone. Let's go. We got a lot to clean up. Yeah. Captain's got a lot of information on what there is to clean up. Yeah, I sure have. Things that Porch could have told you, Jace. Porch is a rich man, aren't you, Porch? Well, I, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm talking about bank accounts all over the state. Big, fat accounts belonging to you and to County Attorney Morrison and Judge Paget. I've been checking on you for two days. You can't prove nothing wrong about that. Yes, we can, Sheriff. We've just come from the courthouse. Your friends didn't have time to burn all the records. You're getting a little pale, Sheriff. It was just business, that's all. Nice business. You and others like you forming a combine to rob the people of this county. We can convict you on 50 conspiracy counts, along with complicity in Wendell's murder. But killing Wendell wasn't my idea. Morrison ordered it when Wendell started to raise a fuss about the administration. That's all I wanted to hear. Jace, you and Steve go after Morrison. He's not in town. Must be at his ranch. What about the others? Well, we had a shooting match with Samson and Kane as we left the courthouse. They were making a run in the car. 
Some of our boys took him to the hospital for patching up. How about Joe Slade? No trace of him, but I got a hunch we'll find him with Morrison. Morrison's accounts show Slade's on his payroll, probably burning more papers out at the ranch. Let's go. On the ride to County Attorney Morrison's ranch, Steve Clark gave me the insight on the gigantic racket that had been working in Ames County. Yeah, Jace, Catton dug it all up. When the oil strike came, Morrison's crowd bought up county land at auction, but no auctions were actually held. Of course, Morrison and his pals didn't take the land in their own names. They turned it over to men like Kane and Sampson, strong-armed boys who'd give them a kickback. But there must have been some of the townsmen known what was going on. Uh, sure they did, but they were scared stiff. Didn't always take force to do it either. How can you fight a crook when he's in control of the law you had to fight him with? A couple of men who wanted to run for office were beaten out of the idea. That's why Morrison and Porch had no opposition. There's Morrison's ranch up ahead. Yeah, I see it. Hey, Jace, look. There's a car coming down the ranch road. Really raising dust, too. Step on it. Block them off the intersection before they get on this highway. We'll beat them to it, all right. Hey, they spotted us. Car's turning. And we're almost the ranch road. Keep low. You get cut, Jace? No, get their tires when I turn in after them. Yeah. Good shot. Hey, they turn turtle. Come on. Out. Look out, Steve. That's Slade breaking for the trees. I'll get him. You dig Morrison out of the wreck. Right. You miss, Slade. I won't miss again. You're going to have to step out and take better aim than that. I got Morrison, Jace. You're up, Slade. We'll lick. You better listen to him, Slade. Huh? All right, Ranger. Guess it'd be crazy to shoot it off. I'm coming. I'm dropping my gun. Both hands up. Get that arm from behind your back. I can. I hurt my arm and my back when the car turns. Watch him, Jake! Oh! Come on, Morrison. Uh, still had one rattlesnake trick left, didn't he? Yeah. His last one. We'll send somebody out for his body. All right, Morrison, let's get back to town. My company should have all your friends rounded up by now, including that phony grand jury you stacked. You won't keep us long. I wouldn't bet on that, Morrison. You won't be handling the prosecution this time, and the judge won't be one of your partners. Get moving, mister. You've got a long way to go. The Ames County conspiracy was smashed, and 12 key men were convicted and sentenced to jail terms ranging from 10 to 50 years. Since then, Ames County has become a model American community. And now, here again is the star of our show, Joel McRae. Texans are mighty proud of their state, and the story that best illustrates that pride has made the rounds for many years. It was started by an old Texas ranger whose son was going off to war. In parting, the ranger gave him this advice. Son, you're going to be with fellas from all over the world. There's one thing you must never do. Never ask a man where he's from. If he's from Texas, he'll tell you. And if he isn't, don't embarrass him by asking. Good night, folks. See you next week. Next week, Joel McRae in another authentic reenactment of a case from the files of the Texas Rangers. Joel McRae is currently seen starring in the Universal International Technicolor production, Frenchie. Tonight's cast included Tony Barrett, Lillian Vaya, Herb Ellis, Ken Christie, Byron Kane, Tom McKee, Lamont Johnson, and Herb Vigran. This story was transcribed and adapted by Joel Mercott, and the program was produced and directed by Stacy Keach. Hal Gibney speaking. Three chimes mean good times on NBC. Tomorrow evening, Gordon McRae sings for you as the Railroad Hour presents a melodic adaptation of One Touch of Venus. Gordon's guest for tomorrow's Railroad Hour production is Ginny Sims. The Telephone Hour tomorrow brings you celebrated contralto Marian Anderson as featured artist. Miss Anderson will offer a group of spirituals and operatic selections accompanied by Donald Voorhees and the orchestra. 
Phil Baker asks the $64 question next on NBC. Thanks for joining us for Tales of the Texas Rangers with Joel McRae. This is your host and storyteller, John Hagedorn. This is 1001 Stories from the Old West. Reviews are always appreciated. Stay safe, everyone, and we'll be back soon.